Hi guys, Russell here. Um, now this might seem like a, a strange presentation because I'm I'm arguing, should we be long treasuries and short gold? So the opposite of the trade that I've been talking about. Um, and what I'm combining it with is with uh, data from the Bank of International Settlements, which is freely available. And back when I was managing money, one of the things I really disliked is like, uh, as a general rule, uh, particularly in currencies or in equities, you want to just keep trading momentum, right? Uh, and I, f I fully understand that, but it seemed to me that momentum would then create its own crisis and then collapse. And I was always wondering, was there a way when we could find when capital flows into asset markets were too extreme and they would reverse? And that was really the sort of thing that I, I spent a lot of time on and you know why I call my substack capital flows in asset markets. So you know, to give you a flavor of the way I think about what I'm looking at at the moment, you know, when uh, the GFC happened and Ben Bernanke and other central bankers started talking about QE, I really wondered if they thought it was a good idea. Because when I looked at the experience of Japan, uh, it seemed to make absolutely no difference to Japan. Um, so to give you an idea of what I mean by that, what I've done here is I've shown you Japanese BIS data. Now, BIS has lots of data. So yeah, I'm actually using the data from the chart A3.1, and I put the link in so you can have, go have a look at it yourself. Basically, this is looking at sort of locational data. And what they give you is both claims and liabilities. So what I've done here is given you uh, all sector liabilities and all sector claims. So that's all liabilities, all claims on a sort of uh, international basis in Japan. And what you can see is that during the, the bubble years of the 80s, they had huge inflows, both on the asset side and liability side. And that really drove the sort of booming economy in Japan. And when that burst in the early 90s, it's just sort of been sideways. Liabilities are still, you know, barely higher than where it was in the 90s. Claims are a bit higher recently. But, you know, you can see how you go from this boom to a bust where it goes sideways. Um, now, Japan was a lead one insofar as... Again, when we look at BIS data for the globe, this is global data, uh, what you can see is, again, we had this huge burst of uh, cross-currency, cross-border uh, claims and liability growth uh, during the 2000s, and that was the whole world, and then we had the same bust. And what you can see is a data that looks pretty similar uh, to Japan after its bust. It's just gone sideways. It's gone a bit higher recently, but completely different. And that's been pretty much in line with what we've seen is despite the efforts of central banks to get credit going without the private market playing ball, it's impossible to generate inflation. Uh, you know, So in a way, if you were thinking about globalized market with free capital flows, creates inflation through, through credit flows. And when para, private sector doesn't want to do those credit flows anymore, you don't get any inflation. Um, and, you know, so we then look at the U.S. data. U.S. data is also very Japanese-y. Okay, to be fair, claims have risen in recent years, but uh, liabilities, you know, have been sideways now for for the best part of 15 years. They're previously virtually unknown, maybe except for the 90s. So, again, a period of credit stagnation, if you wanted to look at it. So, coming back to the original point, is there a way when we have this growth to know we're getting to an extreme, to know when, you know, we should start betting the other way? Um, um, and so one of the things I do is I take the net data where I take claims and liabilities. Now, with big economies like China, like Japan, like uh, the US, 
particularly where they have large multinationals as well, that data can get a bit funky. Um, you can still see the trend, but it gets a bit funky. If we take Ireland, Ireland is a very pure example. You know, Ireland just saw huge credit flows and then a bust. And when we take the net data, you can see how clearly it got extreme on the net basis. So this claim, claims minus liabilities gets extreme and then collapses again. And that really helped in sort of identifying we're getting near a crisis period. So what does that, you know, after looking at Irish style, what, what, what does the Japanese and US style look like? So again, you know, and they're on the same scale, even though the amount that, uh, you know, the, the gross amounts are quite large on net, they're very similar. What you can see is that, again, in the early 80s, Japanese net position got extreme and then collapsed through to a low in the GFC. Uh, and then since then has risen again. In the US, it was very reasonable in the 90s, got bigger in the 2000s, but not crazy so. But then the 2007s went nut and then collapsed again into 2010. And now it's back at even more extreme levels in 2007. So, you know, if you were just looking at this, you'd be thinking, well, actually, this is, this is saying bad things about Japan and the US, right? And actually, if you look at the other previous extremes uh, in both those points, you want to be buying treasuries and short gold, right? That is where I'm sort of where the, the, the start off of this is coming from. You know, if you were just looking at Japan, US in isolation, you should be betting on deflation. And I think that's what a lot of the macro guys are talking about. They're going, Look, it's so extreme. We should be on deflation. And that would make sense if you were just focused on those markets. But the problem is China is as big as the States in many ways. You know, we need to look at Chinese data. So what you can see in China is that actually they kept credit relatively under control until the GFC came along and then went, you know what, let's go nuts. Yeah, which I thought was a bad, bad policy at the time. And that's pr pretty much proven to be the case. But, you know, you can see that they just let claims and liabilities explode out of the GFC. Now, again, using the net data for China, you can see that everything was fine until around 2014-15. And that is when the deflation devaluation plays, the deflation fleas came in. And certainly I was a big betting very, very massively on China deflation, China devaluation deflation, and they didn't do it. They, they were able to get away with it. And if you look at the BIS net data, now they seem to be back into a very stable environment. One where, you know, it seems to me, at least on a sort of asset flow basis, it'd be strange to expect any sort of currency devaluation from this data alone, unless they put the political will changes, which I don't think it's going to. But what I'm trying to say is the BIS data shows you how China was a game changer. I'll make it a bit clearer. So we'll look at South Korea, which has a lot in common with China. Um, now, using the same net data, you see South Korea's had three bubbles. One in 97, which ended with the Asian financial crisis. Another one in 2007, which ended with the GFC. And now another one, all right? And what has been consistent about each three times as it happens of being uh, associated with currency weakness? Now, Historically, what's happened when the currency's weakened, they've tried to rally, get interest rates up, or credit conditions has tightened massively, and that's managed to get the sort of BAS data balanced more quickly. That is not happening particularly at this time. There is there are signs of some problems, don't get me wrong, but it's not as aggressive. But what I'm trying to say here is that the what I was saying before is when the BIS net data is extreme, we should expect deflation. 
well, actually, you expect financial problems, and one of those financial problems could be currency weakness. So when I look at it all together, to me, the China has got its BIS position balanced. Korea, Japan, the US are now all their extreme net positions that were extreme net positions that were seen before. From looking at that data and and previous examples, the most likely outcome, to my mind, would be that the Chinese yuan continues to strengthen against all these currencies, and that is actually inflationary, and that is actually good for gold and bad for treasuries. So even though if we just looked at the BIS data for Japan, the US, and South Korea by itself, that would be a deflationary trade. When we look at how China has managed its economy. And now look at its BIS net position. It actually probably implies that we're going to see significant currency weakness out of Japan, Korea, and the U.S. And it will not be associated with a deflationary environment. It'll be associated with an inflationary environment. And that's why I think long GLD, short TLT still looks the right trade. If China changes its currency policy, I'll change my view. But I don't see it at the moment. All right. I hope that's interesting. Stay safe. We'll talk soon. Ciao.